today on After God's Heart. Afterwards, indicating that in light of those seven things that Paul just said God did, after that, we see the response of the people. So God chose them, God made them great, God led them out of Egypt, he put up with them in the wilderness, he gave them land, he gave them leaders, he gave them a king, and after that, the verse 21 says, they asked for a king. The break of that is intentional. God did this, God did this, God did this, and after that, they said, we want somebody else. Welcome to After God's Heart with Dr. Darren Biles, author, professor, and pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. If you grew up in Sunday school or vacation Bible school, you learned some of the stories of David's life from childhood. There's so much that we can learn from him. In this message from Acts 13, Dr. Biles explores what God was looking for and found in David. This passage reveals God's heart and reveals what he saw in David's heart. Dr. Biles? We all remember the children's game Hide and Seek. In the Bible, David was not hiding, but we discover that God was seeking. What do you suppose God was looking for? Throughout Scripture, we discover that God has been seeking someone. In this passage, we learn what he found in David. My prayer is that what God found in David, he also finds in you and me. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 13. This is a message I've entitled, Seek and he shall find. Do you remember in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when God came to meet Adam and Eve in the cool of the day? But they'd already been disobedient to the Lord and ran and hid themselves from God. God came looking for them. So that divine search, beginning from the very first pages of Scripture in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he might strongly support those whose hearts are his. Or Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1, where God instructs Jeremiah, run to and fro through the streets and see if you can find one man whose heart is completely mine. Or Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, where Ezekiel is instructed to stand in the gap because God was looking for a man who would stand. God's looking So. What's God looking for? God's looking for men and women of faith and faithfulness. The question that I want to pose tonight is, will God find that in you, in me, in in us? So let's look tonight what God was looking for and what God found. In Acts chapter 13, I want you to begin reading with me in verse 16. So this is Acts 13. Beginning in verse 16, Paul stood up, motioned with his hand, and said, Fellow Israelites, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our ancestors, made the people prosper during their stay in the land of Egypt, led them out with a mighty arm, and for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, He gave them their land as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. After this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked for a king. God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And after removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, 
to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all of my will. Now, the context here in Acts chapter 13, this is the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. So Paul and Barnabas are beginning their missionary journey. The preparations of that began in the church in Antioch at the beginning of Acts chapter 13. And that church that was described as the first Christian church in Acts 11 becomes the first missional church in Acts 13. And by corporate vote, they select Paul and Barnabas as their missionary team. And they dispatch them. They financially support them. They send them out. And Paul and Barnabas begin a journey. And they begin to visit places and plant churches and share the gospel with people on what is that first missionary journey. Now, you may remember they had an assistant who came with them on that first missionary journey. His name was John Mark. He is the man for whom the second gospel is named the Gospel of Mark. He's also the man in 2 Timothy chapter 2, who when Paul said, my life's already being poured out as a drink offering and realizing my time is nearing the end, Paul said, bring Mark, he's useful for me. But what happened here probably reflects Mark's immaturity. Mark started on that first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, but he didn't stick it out. For reasons that the Bible does not specify in full detail, Mark leaves. And it affected Paul. So much so that when they began to begin to discuss a second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas begin to dialogue, hey, let's take another missionary journey. And Barnabas says, uh, that's a great idea, Paul. I'd like to bring Mark with us. And Paul said, uh-uh. Barnabas said, yes, everybody deserves a second chance. And Paul said, he's not ready. And somehow in the providence of God, now that one missionary team doubles and becomes two missionary teams and Barnabas and Mark uh, went to Africa. Paul took Silas and went back on a second missionary journey to the same churches that he visited in that first missionary journey. And here in Acts 13, verse 13, we find what is really the context of that. So verse 13, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, went to Perga and Pamphylia, but John left them. And he went back to Jerusalem. So that's the context of what is this message that Paul is delivering. And we see that as Paul is now traveling as he normally did to a new city, he would go to the synagogue. And so notice Verse 14, on the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue and sat down. And apparently, the last part of verse 14, somewhere in verse 15, there's an invitation that takes place. And uh, Paul and Barnabas are asked to speak. And so the Bible says they read from the law and the prophets and the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, said, brothers, if you have a word to say of encouragement, you can speak. And so Paul has a word. Paul begins to speak in this context of a gathering of believers, and that's the passage that I just read, beginning in verse 16. Paul stood up, and he begins to share this message of encouragement about God's sovereignty, about God's plan, about God's 
provision for his people. Really, throughout their history, Paul following a similar plan as he did in other messages that he delivered, tracing the hand of God throughout the history of the people of God and then climaxing ultimately in Christ. And as you follow through the rest of Paul's sermon, uh, finishing uh, after the, the, the passage that I just read, he talks about John and then gets to Christ. But I want to focus tonight on this, this passage here that refers to David. Paul talks about God's care for the people, their journey through the wilderness, how they've entered the promised land. He talks about the period of time where they had judges. And then he highlights the transition between the period of the judges and the period of the monarchy. And you remember the context of that, perhaps in 1 Samuel chapter 7, where the people came to Samuel and said, thanks for your help. We'd really like a king. Samuel's disappointed, got his feelings hurt, went to the Lord, and God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're, they're rejecting me. And God acquiesced and gave them what they asked for. They wanted a king to be just like everybody else. And so you see, they asked for a king, and God said, okay. So David now, or rather Paul, recounting the activities that have led up to the monarchy, the period now where God has allowed what was a change of leadership strategy, probably prior to where God had intended, but had always prophesied would take place. So now the people have asked for a king, and God allowed that, and they have chosen Saul. And so now, on this fourth stop of Paul's first missionary journey, Paul is highlighting something about David. And you, I'm struck as I read through Paul's message at the intentionality of God. Notice in verse, seven, uh, verse 17, God chose. So the God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors. Note the next phrase, God made them great. God made them prosper. Note the last part of that phrase, he led them out of the land of Egypt. Next verse, in verse 18, he put up with them. That's an interesting phrase there. He put up with them, which, which probably means exactly what you think it means. He, he tolerated them. He, he put up with them. For, for that period where they are in the wilderness. Verse 19, God now took the initiative and distributed the land. But in the process of that, notice verse 19, he couldn't just give the Israelites the land because other people already occupied the land. So in the process of distributing the land to his people, God had to remove those who were there. And then verse 20, God gave them leaders. Verse 21, God gave them a king because they asked. So those seven movements really describing the divine activity of what God did, God chose, God made, God led them, God put up with them, God distributed, God gave, and God gave them a king. And then verse 21, there's a transition. Now, depending on your English translation, the first part of verse 21 generally is rendered something like this. And after that, afterwards, indicating 
that in light of those seven things that Paul just said God did, after that, we see the response of the people. So God chose them. God made them great. God led them out of Egypt. He put up with them in the wilderness. He gave them land. He gave them leaders. He gave them a king. And after that, the verse 21 says, they asked for a king. The break of that is intentional. God did this. God did this. God did this. And after that, they said, we want somebody else. It's almost as though Luke is recording for us here the people saying, God, we know what you did, but we, we want our own way. We, we want somebody else. We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. So verse 21, after that, they, they asked for a king. God did all that he did, but they still want somebody else. I know what you did, but I'd rather have what I want. And in his grace... God allowed them to make an unwise choice, a premature choice. He allowed them to choose someone else over him. Because prior to this, they existed while they had earthly judges. They existed as a theocracy whereby God was the one in charge. God was the leader. God was the king. God was the decision maker. God was their focus. But now what they're saying is we want somebody more tangible. We want somebody that we can look at any time. We want somebody who can fight our battles. We want somebody bigger than us so we can look up to him. But we want somebody I can reach out whenever I feel like it. And so, God, we understand what you did, but, but we want somebody else. And so they said they, they wanted a king. And the Bible says God gave them Saul, son of Kish, man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Verse 22 says, after removing him, he raised up David. So there's two divine activities going on here. There is the divine removal of the people's choice in Saul and the divine raising up of God's choice in David. And what we're having is really a comparison, a side-by-side -side comparison of two men, the people's choice in Saul and God's choice in David. So they asked for a king in verse 20. God said, okay, but after removing him, God raised up David. Sunnyvale First Baptist Church is excited to welcome David Phelps in concert. David Phelps is credited among today's most spectacular voices. His seemingly endless vocal range, which extends more than three octaves, coupled with his gift for communicating a song, has brought the house down in the world's most prestigious venues. David has received numerous Dove Awards, Grammy Awards, and multiple platinum-selling recording projects. So make sure you mark your calendars for Saturday, September 23rd, and go to sunnyvalefbc.com events for more information and Get your tickets today. And now let's get back to the message. So we're talking about two different people who are juxtaposed here in the text. One, the people's choice. The other, God's choice. But the language suggests something else that's going on. After he removed him, he raised up David. So, so you've, got, you've got two things that are going on, the removal and the raising that both led or initiated by divine activity. And I know we're talking about two different people here, and we are going to explore that in a little bit more detail. But I wonder sometimes if before God can do something in us, raising us up, 
God may, meet, may need to do something to us to remove some things. Has that ever happened in your life? Where before God can use you as his vessel, before God can use you in whatever way God wants to use you, God's got to do some work in you. God's got to get rid of some stuff. God's got to refine some things. God's got to, God's got to do a work of purification in your life so that you are ready to be raised up. You are ready to then be used for whatever God wants to do in your life. So maybe before he can use you, he needs to remove some things so that your life can accomplish his purpose. So we've got these two men, and they are here listed side by side, but what I want you to see is there, while there are some similarities between Saul and David, there are some obvious physical dif differences. Saul described as, as, as much taller than, than David. We know that because when, when Saul tried to give David his armor, 1 Samuel 17, to go fight the giant. David says, I can't wear these. They're too big for me. They're kind of like the baptism waiters that we have over here. Come up to about here on me, and, and, and I don't know which one of you did it, and I'm not assigning blame, but somebody poked a hole in the foot of one of them. So the last time we had baptism, I took some of the water with me when I left. And so it's fine. Got a new one for Sunday, but I'm not telling you where it is. It's in it's 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 at an undisclosed location for Sunday morning's baptism, and hopefully a little shorter. But you've got this picture of these two guys, Saul and and David, and and you realize even though there's some physical differences, they're really not that much different. They both started out humble. They both started out with great potential. Really, both started out as great men. When you first meet Saul, even though Saul clearly had physical attributes that distinguished him above everybody else, when he was first confronted by Samuel to be king, he responded with humility. We see him hiding over there. The Bible says by the luggage. I don't know why there's luggage, but he's hiding over there by it. Like, I, I, just, I just need to get away because I'm not worthy. And, and you think, what a... What a strange transition between that man and the man we see later chasing David. But he started as a humble man. He started as a man with, with great potential. Somehow, though, under the surface of that tall, good-looking, people's choice of a king, grew the heart of an evil, spear-throwing murderer whose desire was after his own heart. And the Bible says that God gave them Saul, son of Kish, tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And sometime in that process, where Saul was reigning, God was preparing. God gave them Saul, but God was doing something here that they did not yet know. In fact, nobody knew. David didn't know it. Samuel didn't know it. We know Samuel didn't know it because even when God sent Samuel to Jesse's house to find a king, Jesse brings all, well, seven of his boys in front of Samuel. Nope, that's not it, not it, not it, not it. You have any more? Well, yeah, I got one, but, you know, he's not that impressive. And, and, and David comes, and so dad didn't, didn't see it. Samuel didn't see it. David didn't know it, but God was doing something in those 40 years when Saul was reigning, God was raising David. 
a process of removing that which was not God's plan and installing that which was. But process takes time. And that process doesn't always work on my timetable. And sometimes God's plans take time to unveil, to unpack, to develop. And so all the while in those four decades when Saul was reigning, David was being raised. And we see here a contrast that is drawn. After he removed him, he raised up. So he gave them Saul, but he raised up David. And that process of raising up is what I want to pause and reflect on for just a minute tonight. Because raising up takes time. It's, it's, it's a process. I don't know how long it is. Maybe it's different for everyone. But a process that, that really only God knows. A process that, that begins on the inside that is not fully evident until later. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told about a woman mixing dough? In, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus told a series of parables. One of them was about a, about a woman who had three measures of dough, and she, she mixed it with some leaven and, and mixed it all up until it, was, until it was fully hidden, the text says. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. And when you look at it, it describes a process that when you mix that leaven with the meal, something takes place. But when they're all mixed together, a process begins on the inside that only becomes evident on the outside when the process is complete. And it's the same way Jesus said with the kingdom of God. There's a process that takes place on the inside where God's doing something inside me. He's raising me up. It doesn't, it's not immediately evident on the outside, but it's something that God's doing on the inside. And that's the language that the text says here. He removed Saul, but he's raising up David. And that word that he uses, that Luke uses here for raising up, is the same word, by the way, used of the resurrection of Christ. We see that word in John chapter 2 where Jesus said, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up. You see it again in John 2.22, a few verses later, after Jesus was raised from the dead, they understood what he meant. And so you begin to think, well, God was raising up David. So when did that begin? When do you suppose that process of God raising up David began? It had to have begun early in his life. It couldn't have been in that moment when, when he first became king because there's a process. Was it, was it in the field when he's tending his dad's sheep? Was it when he's battling the lions and the bears? Or was it when he was battling the giants? Was it by the brook? Was it in the cave? At what point is David being raised up? Well, maybe it's all throughout that process, a lifetime journey. You know, I, I, I learned something just recently that I, I, I guess I just hadn't even really thought about. The Bible doesn't really mention David's mother. We know his father, Jesse. We don't know his mother's name. She is, by the way, mentioned twice in Scripture. She's referenced twice in Scripture. So keep your finger here, 1 Samuel 13. Turn to 1 Samuel, uh, this is Acts 13. Turn to 1 Samuel 22. And in 1 Samuel 22, verses 3 and 4, David is fleeing from Saul and concerned for mom and dad, realizing that he can no longer protect them or care for them. So 1 Samuel 22, the Bible tells us 
From there, David went to Mizpah of Merab, where he said to the king of Merab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you until I know what God will do for me. The title of this program, as well as a recent book that I have written, comes from a description God twice used of David. The phrase, after God's heart, describes God's desire and the focus of a divine search that highlighted David, but foreshadows the ultimate one, Jesus Christ, who alone perfectly models the heart of God. My prayer is that you and I may be after his heart. We've entitled this program, After God's Heart. The name of the program comes from the title of my newest book, After God's Heart. It's a story of the life of David, the challenges, the lessons that we learn from David, and how we can apply those to our lives. We'd love to send you a copy of my book when you support this ministry with your generous gift. Now, here's Ed to give you more details on how you can get a copy of my book. Thanks, Dr. Biles. You can get a copy of After God's Heart today. Today by contacting Sunnyvale First Baptist Church at 972-226-7105 or sunnyvalefbc.com. You can also write us at 3018 North Beltline Road, Sunnyvale, Texas 75182. Attention after God's heart. And here's a final word from Pastor Darren. Thanks, Ed. If you're ever in the North Texas area, I want to invite you to be our guest at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We have Sunday school classes for all ages. Our worship service on Sunday mornings begins at 1030. We would love for you and your family to be our guest anytime you are able at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Once again, on behalf of Dr. Biles, we want to thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ed Petty, and we'll see you next time on After God's Heart.